You're listening to the Holy Hot Mess Mom podcast. This is my little corner of the podcasting universe. I'm Heather, and in this space, we're going to talk about everything faith, marriage, family, parenting, happy, sad, hilarious, homemaking, you name it, and we're probably going to talk about it. We all know life can be a huge, hilarious, beautiful disaster of a hot mess some days, but it's your hot mess, the one God's given to you and only you. So here we're just going to own it and find our halo in the midst of the messiness. I'm really excited you're here. Let's chat. Hi, lovely ladies. Back with this episode I told you I was going to record in the last episode, and it is is all about homeschooling. Now, I kind of told myself when I made this podcast that it wasn't going to be like a super homeschooly podcast. Obviously, I mention it because it's part of our life. But (laughs) right now, everyone homeschools. Like, you get to homeschool and you get to homeschool. And you can go back into the last episode and kind of hear my views on like how what traditional schooling parents are being asked to do right now is not homeschool. But that doesn't mean you can't start homeschooling. And by homeschooling, I mean giving yourself the ability to make the choices, to be flexible, to learn organically instead of by workbooks or anything like that. Like, let's use this time to kind of foster the love for learning that our children are born with and spark our respark our love for learning you know like learning should not be a chore reading should not be a chore these things should be enjoyable and the basics of all learning is being able to read being able to write and being able to do math so if you can do those things and you can learn how to learn then you can learn anything in this day and age like the entire information of the entire world whether it's true or not is available in our pockets in our phones and If you're being sent home with a million worksheets or whatever for your children and you're overwhelmed and it's causing tears between you or the kids or there's frustrations or you're trying to work from home and take care of loved ones and do all the home management things at the same time as now you who didn't want to homeschool are being thrust into this schooling at home. You don't have a classroom. You don't have this. It's so overwhelming. And I think it's very important to remember that the majority of teachers nowadays who have their educational degree, those degrees are primarily classroom management. They teach because they love kids, but they have to learn how to manage a classroom of 15 to 30 kids. And you're now being asked to take all of your kids, different ages, different learning styles, different grade levels into your house and with two to three days notice, teach them everything at home. And like, that's impossible. (laughs) Let's just be honest. So I just want to use this episode to give anybody who's looking for practical tips to make this not so overwhelming to be able to do that. So the number one thing I would tell someone who's new to homeschooling and who is super duper duper overwhelmed, there's really no way to get around handwriting, language arts, and math having to be individualized for every child. There's really not a way to get around that. You can't teach the same language arts lesson to an eighth grader as you can a kindergartner. Like, you just can't. But for every other subject, you can. So that's religion, science, social studies, history, language, 
And this idea of coming together as a family and learning about all those things together, you're going to be able to let your children run with that. And there's concepts in homeschooling, specifically Charlotte Mason, which you don't even really need to know what that is. But her idea is like you place this feast of information in front of your children and their their instinctive curiosity is going to run with it. So you can get a book about the Civil War and you don't have to plan a different lesson on the Civil War to, you know, your seven-year-old as you do to your 18-year-old. You can let them deep dive on their own to learn the things they need to know. And I'm I'm just a very firm believer that like 50 years ago, schools needed to teach people facts that they had to memorize because we didn't have computers in our pockets. But now it's more important to know how to learn and how to look things up and how to inquire and ask questions and ask the right questions and go down those rabbit holes than it is to be able to recall facts. Because in reality, in the everyday world, if somebody said, hey, what year did the Civil War start? You don't need to like spit it off at the top of your head. You just literally open up Google and are like, when did the Civil War start? But the ability to read and acquire new knowledge, that's something, you know, you can't run from. So let's use this time to get our kids like loving learning again. You know, this is the time that when you're seventh grade kid, and this was me when I was in seventh grade, when your seventh grade kid is obsessed with butterflies and like that's nowhere near the curriculum they're learning in science in seventh grade, then like this is the time that you get all the butterfly books and all the videos on butterflies and you get some plants that butterflies are attracted to and you get some caterpillars and you just deep dive into that and you let them ask questions and then you Look into those questions and those questions will lead to more questions. And that's the kind of like family feast learning style that you can do for everything other than pretty much math, language arts, and handwriting. So there's a really good resource and it's a woman named Pam Barnhill. She has a podcast called Your Morning Basket. Um, I think she actually has a few podcasts. I don't know. But she goes on this whole principle of this basket and you put all the things in the basket. Excuse me, I'm yawning. It's 9.16 and I'm tired because I'm a grown-up. So you put all these books and these resources in a basket and you kind of compile this feast of things you want your kids to be exposed to and that's using things like learning books. And learning books are not fluffy. They're not diary of a wimpy kid or whatever you know they could be books about like little house in the big woods or um secret garden or books that have been well researched so that your kids are learning things about like the time the era by reading fiction so the idea is that you sit down and you just go step by step like okay first thing on our morning basket is that we want to listen to some uplifting spring classical music and we're going to do that every morning so every morning for a week we're going to listen to the same Tchaikovsky piece and every morning I'm going to give them a different artistic medium that they can paint their feelings what you know are they feeling 
like the loud sounds or whatever. So I give them watercolors one day. I give them crayons the next day. I give them chalk the next day, you know, whatever. And then maybe science. Maybe we are learning about butterflies because we bought some butterflies, which we just did. We got some butterflies, some caterpillars, and we're going to learn about butterflies. So we're going to read all the books that we can get our hands on about butterflies and the life cycle of a butterfly and why butterflies are important to pollination and blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to take a break and we're going to put on a documentary about butterflies or even the movie A Bug's Life or that movie Ants. I feel like I didn't like that for, for some reason, you know, or the movie that um, Jerry Seinfeld movie about the bees. It's like a little cartoon bee movie. The bee movie. It's called the bee movie. <laughs> Anyways. And then from there, like, we're all going to snuggle up and read Charlotte's Web because it's a classical book. And if my kids are not wanting to snuggle, then I can get magnetiles out or a Rubik's Cube or a puzzle. And they can sit there and do that while I read, you know. So it's this idea of this basket of the whole family coming together around this basket and doing, you know, these things. And a lot of people loop through that. So they might have the things that they have to do every day. Um, religion, prayers, whatever, but then everything else they kind of loop through. So the idea is, okay, we touched on science, we touched on music, we touched on art appreciation or something, and then we're just going to remember our place. And tomorrow when we get to it, we're going to start at the next book. We're not going to go back over music appreciate, you know, so you're kind of looping through it. So you can never really get behind. So that I would say would be the way to incorporate this all-encompassing learning for everybody instead of drilling the worksheets for every single curriculum that your kid has been sent home with a curriculum that you didn't choose that the school system chose that maybe even the teacher doesn't like you know utilize these things like your morning basket I will say Pam Barnhill I think on her website I'm pretty sure has 30 days of morning time plans that she has completely planned out that are free as a free download when you subscribe to her email list. I would say go do that. It's it's wonderful because it's all done for you. I will say I like making my own morning time plans because I like to choose our music and our whatever and it kind of syncs up a little bit more with our co-op. But you could totally go on there and print out the free thing and do that. And even if it's like doesn't t- it takes you longer than 30 days, like you're still encompassing education with your kids. So I would definitely say to try to Google, look into something, um, pambarnhill.com, or you can search your morning basket. You can type in morning basket ideas on Pinterest. Like there's so many ideas and you don't need to let it overwhelm you. Literally, if you're a Christian family, you can pop a children's Bible in there and read a verse a day and then ask your kids based on that verse, what do you feel like God wants you to pray about, you know, something like that and kind of go from there. Let yourself put, get a book that you, like we read, um, the Hobbit, like the kids really loved it and they loved being able to snuggle up with mom. I had never read the Hobbit. So I got to read the Hobbit, you know, like if you love Harry Potter, then grab Harry Potter and start reading that to your kids. I would say, make sure that they don't get nightmares like my daughter did when I was reading Harry Potter, but you know, grab books that you enjoy reading and read out loud to your kids. And that's going to bring me to number two-ish. I don't really have numbers written down here. So if I say like 2C, 
number 14 and I skip a number like that's why. So I will say number two would be read aloud. And it doesn't matter what age your children are, you can still read to them. There's a book called The Read Aloud Family, and it's by Sarah McKenzie, and she's amazing. She has a podcast called The Read Aloud Revival. She has an entire website about it. It's amazing and phenomenal, and I will tell you, you do not need to be a homeschooler to benefit from all of that information. The statistics about how well children do on standardized testings, how much better they do in college, how much better they do in the workforce, blah, 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 all because they were read to is absolutely amazing. I actually calculated it one time and I don't know where it is. But if you read to your children for five minutes a day, here, I'm going to calculate it. Okay, I just got a handy dandy spreadsheet out because I love me some spreadsheets. So I calculated this after reading the Read Aloud family. And Sarah McKenzie just goes on to say that like, The reading aloud is so good for your children's brains for so many reasons, but one of them is because it allows your children to be courageous and to experience life in ways they will probably never experience life. It it allows them to jump into the shoes of the villain and the hero and the people that need to use compassion and empathy and understanding the way others live if they may never experience it and things like that. So it's the way to travel without ever leaving your home. And to give our experience, our children the experience of the world. And then she goes on to tell you about how children can comprehend many grade levels above what they can actually read. So if you're relying on your children to learn through reading and they're reading at a third grade level, that's great. But if they're reading at a third grade level and you're reading to them at a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade level, This is going to stretch their, not only their imagination, but their intellect, their vocabulary, everything into a broader, more advanced range because you can cover more than just what they are intellectually capable of reading. So I calculated, this is what I calculated. If you read aloud for five minutes a day to your children, in a week, you will have read aloud for 35 minutes. So for you know, a little over a half an hour. If you read to your kids five minutes a day for a month, that would be 150 minutes in a month or two and a half hours. That's great. If you read to your kids five minutes a day, every single day for a year, you will have read to them for 1800 minutes or 30 hours. That's 1.25 days. And if you continue to read every single day for five minutes to your kids, then Over their 18 years of life, you will have read to them for 32,400 minutes, 540 hours, or a total of 22 days, 22 and a half days. Okay, so that's great. Like 22 days of their life spent reading. But if you increase that, then over their 18 years, you will have read to them for a month and a half if you only read 10 minutes a day. Now, if you increase that to 30 minutes a day, then... You're reading that reading to them 15 hours a month, 900 minutes a month, 15 hours a month. In a year, you're reading them, reading to them for 180 hours. Wait, how is that possible? Oh, yeah, 900 minutes a month, 180 hours or for a total of seven and a half days. And by the time they are 18, if you've read to them 30 minutes a day for their whole life, 
you have spent four and a half months of their life reading to them. Okay. This is putting our children in an advantage for learning that does not need to include computers and technology. You just got to read to them. And this can be times where you put the phone away, you snuggle up and you just read. Now, you could go all the way to, let's say you're going to commit to 90 minutes a day, which honestly could be a lot, but really could not be. 90 minutes a day would be 630 minutes a week or 10 and a half hours a week. That's great. That's 10 and a half hours your kids are not on social media, computers, TV, whatever. 10 minutes a day or 10 and a half hours a day that they're using their imagination, their their imaginations are running wild with these vivid descriptions and everything and reading. Okay, so translate that to minutes in a month. That would be 2,700 minutes in a month or 45 hours or in a month, 1.875 days. Okay, we're going to go all the way forward. So if you're reading 90 minutes a day for all 18 years of your kid's life, that's 583,200 minutes of their life you have spent reading to them. And you can continue to read to your 18-year-old, I will tell you. that The statistics prove that children that are read to until they go to college do so much better with comprehension than children who are asked to just read on their own. So that 583,000 would translate into 9,720 hours or 405 days or for one eighteenth of their life. So for an entire 13.5 months of their life in their home, at home with you, you would have spent curled up reading books together. And it's, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. You get to focus on that relationship with your kid, but also let them see the world when they can't leave the house, which like, how relevant is that now? So I'm going to get off my read to your kids high horse because I love it. But just pick a book off your shelf that you love and read to them. Stop and say like, what did you think about that? Was that the decision you would make, make, you know? Anyways, there's amazing, amazing resources. Look up Sarah McKenzie, look up Read Aloud Revival, Read Aloud Family. Like she's, the book is read by her on Audible and it's amazing. So go do that. Another thing is take advantage of subscription boxes that send to your house and give you activities to do. Use those to supplement the things you don't want to teach them, okay? So sure, you have to teach them about, you know, you got to read with them and you got to work on their reading and their handwriting, language arts, and math, okay? Totally get it. But everything else you can outsource. Subscription boxes. There are Bitsbox is a great one. I have a link to it. You can go to holyhotmessmom.com slash Bitsbox, B-I-T-S-B-O-X. And that is coding. So your kids can get this in the mail and learn how to code computer games, which is a very necessary skill nowadays. I don't know how to do it, but I guess I kind of do because of the website, but I digress. So you've got subscription boxes for that. We've got KiwiCo which has the Kiwi Crate, the Atlas Crate, which is geography. It's got little like Tinker engineering crates. Koala Crate is for like preschool-aged kids. It gives you background information. It gives you tasks to do. It gives you reusable projects. 
brilliant ways to literally open and go. Like they give you only the amount of supplies that you need. So you don't need to buy a big box of pom-poms to only use two pom-poms. They only send you two pom-poms. What other subscription boxes? The mass box, which has crafts based on each, uh, based on the gospel each week, which would be really beneficial now when we're not going to church. Uh, Catholic Family Crate has the same sort of thing. It's not based on the readings, but it's like based on saints for the month. There's Saint of the Month box. They focus on a saint each month and it has a little activity and a map so you can find the saint on the on the map and all those things. There's, um, I think it's Owl Crate. There's tons of subscription boxes that will send your kids books in the mail. And you can just tailor it to like their grade level books in the mail. We've got, oh, there is Little Passports is like geography and stuff. There's history boxes there. I mean, anything you could possibly want to learn, like learning boxes of, you could find in subscription boxes. And the first time you do any subscription box, you can always find some sort of, what is it called? Coupon code. And it'll come right to your door and you just open it up and like, here you go, kid enjoy learning about XYZ. And you never know, that could leave you down a rabbit trail to be able to deep dive into some other things. One great thing that we try to do, and I've fallen off the bandwagon recently, is give your kids a to-do list before they can get on electronics. A responsibility list, like your teeth need to be brushed, your hair needs to be brushed, you know, clothes for the day, clothes put in your laundry, you need to read for 30 minutes, we have to read together, you know, you have to do a handwriting, you know, all these X, Y, blah, 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 blah. And then before they can like watch a show for fun or get on a tablet or something for fun. This is really good because most of the time they get distracted. (laughs) So then they don't even get to the watching the TV part because they're distracted, you know, playing Legos or whatever in their room. I try to have them, you need to spend at least an hour outside, at least 30 minutes playing alone in your bedroom before you come ask me for TV, etc. Um, educational TV or educational apps, which you can find a bazillion, but allow them, you know, halfway through the day, like you get to go have some quiet time and use an educational app. One of our favorite ones, well, some of our favorite ones, Hoopla, which is through your local library. It's audiobooks. And it's like a free audiobook reading app where I think you can only check out 30 books a month. Um, there's some books that are like read by Betty White for your kids and stuff, and they're super cute. So you can get audiobooks and put those on for the kids, have them make like a wish list of what they want to listen to. There's also Epic. That is a book app that... Like the books will read to your kid as the pages swipe through and it's popular books and they have lots of them. Some of the educational TV stuff, we, the EWTN app, um, Eternal World World Television, the the Catholic TV station app on our TV, on the computer, whatever. Those have some great kid shows. They have great saint documentaries about the popes and church history and about, you know, deepening your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you have older kids, things like that. There's the formed app, which has the same thing. There's kid cartoons, there's Bible studies, there's 
audiobooks, all these things. There's um, Curiosity Stream. Our cable provider, it's not our cable provider, our internet provider actually has a contract with them that we get access to Curiosity Stream for free. But even if you don't, it's like $1.99 a month. And Curiosity Stream is wonderful because it's basically the Netflix of documentaries. You can find anything, history, science, math, space, dinosaurs, you know, anything you want to go into. You can also find documentaries on Amazon Prime and Netflix. Haven't really found any good ones on Hulu, but, you know. Ooh, another good one is there is a woman named Julie Bogart. She is the author of a book called Brave Writer. I will say the book got a little frou-frou for me. She talked about, like, not ever making her kids do chores and allowing them to destroy the house and stuff. And, like, I can't live my life like that. But one of her big things is creating this atmosphere of learning. And if you need your child to write or to do creative writing, there's stages that you can go through with these kids that allow them to use their imagination. So for an example, the things she would suggest would be, okay, kids, we're going to spend this month reading fairy tales. You could read Grimm's fairy tales. Um, We're going to take those fairy tales that we read in Grimm's and watch the Disney version of them. And then we'll watch the live action version of them. And then we'll, you know, normally we'd get like some books from the library or something. Then for younger kids, you can say, I want you to make up the story, your own version of a fairy tale. You get to come up with the characters, you get to come up with the scene and what the hero does and blah, blah, blah. And then as they say the story, you scribe it. So you write it down. Because they're not quite there dexterity wise to be able to write a whole story down and the beautiful thing is is you can turn around and read their own story back to them and I think that's when children realize like oh that's the point of writing so that something can be basically immortalized forever you know if I take care of it then my story is going to be here forever and then you can have your child illustrate you know the storybook that you made or something for older kids you can have them write their own short stories But instead of saying, Josh has a dog named Skippy, and Skippy and Josh like to go fishing, please write a short story about this. You're giving your children the creative license to dive into things that they like. If they love Pokemon, come up with prompts about that. If they love Star Wars, prompts about that. If they love princesses or ponies or whatever, come up with, okay, we've watched a lot of pony books. We've watched a lot of documentaries about butterflies. Like, let's write a nonfiction book about butterflies. Or let's spend this month making the ABC book of Star Wars. And so I want you to come up with an A for Star Wars. And you're going to research and write like what, whatever word you come up with for A, like the the facts you're going to put at the bottom of that page and then you get to color or whatever, draw it. So using stories to allow your kids to practice their handwriting or practice their creativity is a sly way to be like, we're writing books together instead of here's your assignment aspect. You know what I mean? Okay. I got a few more. Um, get outside. And that is just the vitamin D is good for everybody. The running around in the sun is good for everybody, but 
You can also have your kids learn life skills. Like older kids can learn how to mow the grass. Little kids can weed. You can do exciting things like, oh, we're going to get a bucket and see how many weeds we have in the house, you know, like around the house. Or you could, can't do it now, but you could make a lemonade stand and teach them about entrepreneurship, you know, and things like that. So there's ways to get outside, get your hands dirty and still learn. Our favorite way to do that is gardening and nature journaling. Even today, we found a little caterpillar dangling from our tree. It was super teeny tiny. We actually lost him, but we did get a picture and we looked up what he was and what he liked to eat and we were going to keep him and feed him and watch him grow and all this kind of stuff. But then my son dropped him and we couldn't find him. But that's kind of the way that we, we let the kids play around in the backyard. They find a lizard. They, you know, they pick it up, they bring it to me, we snap a picture of it, and we research and research until we find out what it is and what it likes to eat. And that's that organic, interested way to learn. Instead of sitting your kid with a textbook and being like, today we're learning about chemistry. It's like, well, why don't we just actually mix some chemicals together and see what happens? And those things could be, if you're learning about chemistry, learn how to make soap with each other. Like, that's really fun. Making lye soap. I have all the stuff to do that here. Or baking. Baking is chemistry. You know, biology and you can study plants and plant a garden. You know, if you have older kids, have them research and plan a raised bed garden that they can cultivate and grow their own food. And the amount of things they can learn, you give them a budget for it. And they have to have a budget and then they have to tell you what equipment you need and blah, blah, blah. And those are all ways to incorporate this learning organically into every single day. Our other big, huge thing about outside is nature journaling. And what we do is I'll just give the kids colored pencils. They have little notebooks that are just blank paper and I'll tell them to find something and they'll, they can find it on the ground. It could be a flower. It can be whatever, but they'll come to me and we'll look it up and we'll come up with some facts about it. Maybe how tall the plant grows, what kind of animal it attracts, you know, if there's any pests that can harm it. What type of soil it should be in? Is it a weed? Is it an annual? Is it a perennial? You know, what kind of fragrance does it have? Is it used for anything for medicine? Blah, blah, blah. And the kids draw a picture of it and then I can write in some facts. Now my oldest is six, so I, you know, I write in the facts, but I even have my own nature journal that I would get watercolors out and journal my own stuff in there and look up the robins in our backyard, get a bird feeder and be able to, you know, track all these birds that come in your backyard, the cardinals and how to tell the difference between a male lizard and a female lizard and all those things. So you can seriously, oh, the last one that I didn't write down is there is a saint. So if you listen to the Homeschool Sisters podcast, which is totally awesome for anybody, whether you homeschool or not because of the times we are in right now, but the Homeschool Sisters podcast, one of them is Kate Curley, I believe, and she has an entire Facebook group about game schooling. She's got a, tons of blog posts about it, but this woman has compiled pretty much every single board game you can come up with that could relate to certain topics or learning things. So let's say your kid's having trouble with money recognition and they're looking at this page in a workbook and they can't tell what the difference between a dime, a nickel, 
a penny and a quarter are. Well, Kate suggests a game called Moneybags. And buy that game on Amazon, whatever, in a few days, play a few rounds. Bam. Your kid not only knows how to recognize coins, but now they know how to make change, how to consolidate the coins so that, you know, if you have four quarters, it makes a dollar, things like that. But they don't realize that they've learned because they're playing a game. (laughs) So there's science ones. There's actually a game called Pandemic. I would not recommend it for little kids. It's for older kids. But it's about like trying to cure a pandemic as it like flies around the world infecting everybody. And that would be great for high school kids right now. Oh, what other games? Um, There's Math Dice. There's that shut the box game, which is basically like you roll die and you have the numbers one through 10 on your side and you're the two die, you're trying to add them together to knock down the numbers and, and the first person with all their numbers knocked down. So you have to be able to maybe add and subtract. So, you know, if you got a four and a one, you could knock down five or knock down three because, you know, so I would go to her Website is my-little-poppies.com and she's got tons of resources about game schooling. I would also look into them about um, the Homeschool Sisters podcast. They have a whole thing about strewing, which is basically just putting things out for your kids to explore. And that could be like a book about, you know, if you have an older kid, a book about crocheting, a crochet needle, and... um some yarn and then teach them how to do that you know when their interest speaks in it uh and okay so the very last thing I have is use life skills to teach anything you can do accounting you can do saving you can do you know how to keep a home and like how to actually clean toilets or take out the trash or mow the grass tend to the lawn you know maintain a car bake cook Kitchen safety. Oh, that's another subscription box is Radish Kids is a really good one to like learn and have fun. It sends you recipes for you to be able to cook with your kids. Um, But it's like kid-friendly ingredients. I think any kid over the age of seven or eight could make the meal start to finish by themselves, I believe. Younger kids, you obviously have to help them with. It comes with a different culinary tool each month and it's a super cute idea. Um... But, you know, any of those things you can, anything you're doing around the house, like if you need to paint something, you can teach your kids like, okay, this is the way we paint something. We use the trim tape and then we prime it and then we whatever. And there's ways to incorporate learning into all of those things. So if you have any brilliant ideas that you want to share with anybody about how to incorporate learning on the everyday into this crazy new scenario we're putting our unlikely homeschooling moms and dads in, then let me know. I will uh, maybe write it in the comments on the blog post or something like that or on my Instagram page. But I would love to know like your tips to help these moms out in these times because I know all these things are floating around like these rigid rigid schedules like from 830 to 930 we do math and stuff. But it's like, let's slow down. Let's remember what's important and like the schedule is not important, but your relationship with your family and your children 
is. So let's just all try to remember that, you know, like as we're dealing in these very strange, strange, uncertain times. This episode is over, but you can find lots more on my blog, holyhotmessmom.com. There you can find all the links mentioned in this episode or in the show notes of whichever app you're listening to this episode in. Come connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Holy Hot Mess Mom. Come say hi, ask questions, give me a topic suggestion, but most importantly, if you enjoy this podcast, do me a huge favor and give it a rating and review in whichever podcast app you listen to it in. The more wonderful reviews we have, the wider we can reach with our support, tips, laughs, and encouragement. So until next time.